They said, you know, love your product, but can you build anything else? So we said, well, like what? And they said, well, like, do you think you can make basketball rims? Because we think we could sell a lot of basketball rims. And we said, yeah, we think we can. From Grindstone Media, this is Nebraska Made, a narrative journey through the lives of Nebraska's most inspiring business leaders. We unpack the intimate details of how our guests navigated obstacles and built their companies in pursuit of the good life. I'm JT Martin, and today we are from Nick Cusick, the president and founder of the sporting equipment manufacturer Bison Inc. Our guest today, Nick Cusick, has been heavily involved in the economic development of Nebraska. He was the president of the Lincoln Chamber of Commerce and helped bring Pinnacle Bank Arena to Lincoln. But before he began volunteering and working in the community, he made a name for himself by building high-end basketball hoops right here in Nebraska. I uh, grew up in Fremont, born in, born in Fremont. Uh, my dad was in the service during the Korean War. And uh, during the Korean War, he was, uh, we spent a little bit of time in Reno, Nebraska, uh, Reno, Nevada and in uh, Colorado Springs. Uh, but other than that, I lived in Fremont all my life until I was a junior in high school. And my dad had taken a job uh, in Lincoln with the Lincoln Public Schools. And um, so we moved to, moved to Lincoln. When you were a kid, were you entrepreneurial? Did you have lemonade stands or paper routes or anything? My family moved, uh, lived on the uh, outskirts in a new development uh, in one part of Fremont. And uh, we were kind of surrounded by cornfields. And I was probably five or six. And uh, one of my little friends uh, and I went into the, in the fall uh, after the harvest and picked up ears of corn that had fallen in the, you know, had not been picked. And uh, we'd, we put them in grocery bags and then we'd go knock on doors and sell them to, sell them to, people for feeding the squirrels. And of course, there was a couple flaws in our thinking. Number one, no squirrels had come to our neighborhood yet because we were a new neighborhood and the squirrels <laughs> are kind of in the old neighborhoods. And the second is they had all the corn they wanted. So, but they all bought from us because of course we're young and cute and, you know, entrepreneurial. So, so we sold a lot of corn and I'd keep track of my nickels and dimes and my quarters and stack them in little plastic tubes. So, you know, I, I always had that inkling. My first day of, of high school in Lincoln, uh, again, I was a junior, and uh, pulled into the parking lot, and I was driving a little 1953 MG uh, British sports car. And uh, the guy that pulled in right next to me um, was driving a little Triumph Herald British sports car. Just happenstance, like a lot of things that happen in life are just kind of serendipity. They just happen, uh, not for any reason or not because they were caused that way. But uh, so we pulled into the parking lot about the same time. Uh, first guy I met, because we'd moved during the summer, first first guy my age that I'd uh, met in in, uh, in Lincoln. Um, and um, we walked into school together and I guess the rest became history, I guess. We became good friends, uh, shared a you know interest in sports cars and girls and other stuff and became friends. So the first person that Nick meets in Lincoln's name is Elmer Wessel. They become best friends, and little do they know, they would eventually go on to become business partners for the next four decades. After high school, Elmer goes to Southeast Community College to study machine tool technology, and then he gets his associate degree from Milford Trade School in engineering and becomes a machinist. Nick goes to UNL, gets his undergrad in business, followed by his MBA. 
So Nick bounces around in the corporate world for a little bit after college, but he knows that he wants to own his own business. So in 1974, he joins back up with Elmer to go into business together. Ultimately, my business partner and I, Elmer Wessel is his name, uh, started talking about opening a business. And we were kind of like, well, what kind of business do you want to open? Do you want to open a bar or a restaurant? You know, I mean, we're 20 and 21 and or 22 maybe. And um, he had purchased um, some equipment and had it in his parents' garage already. So he liked to tinker in his parents' garage. And they had a, had a metalworking lathe and a mill and a surface grinder and a welder and some of that fairly basic equipment for a machine shop in his parents' garage. And I had tinkered with him a few times and uh, was way less mechanically inclined than him, but certainly was entrepreneurial. So we'd, we'd worked on some projects together. I'd helped him rebuild a couple cars. And as we, as we uh, flipped a coin to decide what business to go into, bar or machine shop, we decided to go into machine shop. And uh, so we, we did that exclusively from 1974 till the mid 80s and uh, that business that type of business is often called a job shop meaning you don't have your own product line you do work for other people most job shops no matter what kind of work they're in whether they're a wood shop or a, a whatever ultimately start hankering for your own product line so so did we um, and um, so we tinkered on a couple things and I heard a story about uh, you were in a, a softball league and a lot of your equipment was kind of all over the place in the trunk yeah, of your car, per sure. se. Yeah. So we had a we had a, a male slow pitch softball league, a team. And, uh, you know, it's, it's like a lot of those things. It was mostly a drinking thing, you know, <laughs> you know. And and there was a, a guy who was not an employee of ours who was the he called himself the coach. He organized a few practices that you went and drank at afterwards as well. Uh, and always brought the equipment to the game. And he was going to be on vacation for a couple of weeks, so he asked Elmer if, if Elmer would haul the bats and balls. So Elmer did, and it was in an old Army duffel bag, and Elmer had a fairly newish car, and he had the bag and all this stuff in it, and it was all dirty from, you know, you just throw stuff in the bag and dusty from the field and all that stuff. So he threw it in the back of his car, and he was kind of pissed off because it got the car dirty. So that necessity is the mother of invention, as they say. So... So he, being the crafty guy that he was, uh, went to the plant uh, one week or that, that next week and started tinkering with a bunch of different sizes of wire and um, welded together a prototype of a product that held bats and balls and uh, actually had a, a Velcro in uh, nylon pack cloth zippered bag that was all part of this device. So he came to me and he came to me and uh, said, hey, I, I just designed this product and here's how it works. And what do you think? And do you think we can sell these? And I said, well, among other things, I, I said, uh, probably not under the name Industrial Machine Specialties, because that was the name of our job shop. Yeah. Industrial, so I, and you're the sales guy. You have your MBA. And I, yeah. And I was, you know, I was I was going to be the one that was going to attempt to, to market it. So. So we said we needed another name, and uh, we didn't, at that time, form a totally separate company, so it was just another brand name, if you will, and, and uh, true story, as much as I hate to admit it, but, you know, as we were searching for a name, and I'm not the most creative guy in the world, but, so I, I had a meeting or something in Omaha, and I was driving down the road by myself, and I had a dictionary, and I was kind of flipping through the pages, looking for something that seemed to be just the right name, you know? 
and came across bison. You know, I got through the A's and couldn't find anything, got to the B's, and all of a sudden here's bison. And, you know, it's Midwestern, it's strong, it's durable, it's kind of iconic, um, the American bison. And, and um, so we picked the name bison. So Nick and Elmer were in business. They start manufacturing these baseball equipment containers and selling them at a high $60 a piece. That's much higher than the $10 duffel bag alternative that had currently existed in the market. But they believed that they had a good product, and they knew from experience that there was a need for them. Well, the product started selling, and it wasn't long before they learned that there were other opportunities in the market as well. And was, was that first product successful? Did, did you sell a few? Uh, yeah, we sold a few. So success is a relative term. <laughs> so... Uh, we, we decided we weren't going to sell direct. In today's world, we probably would have sold them online. But at that time, that was, you know, remember, this is 1985. This was pre-web. So we had made a decision. We had made a decision early on uh, that we weren't going to sell direct to consumers. We were going to sell through dealers. Mm-hmm. Well, we went to a show. I can't remember where it was. I think it was in Dallas, maybe. And we ran into a a five or six man rep group and they love the product you know they had some baseball uh, related products a uniform line and a, an actual uh, ball line a softball and baseball ball line called diamond and a couple other competitive or a couple other uh, uh, complementary products so so they took it on and and, and they uh, they sold a few you know and the people who bought them liked them but uh, we were talking to them we said, well, how's it going? You know, you're selling some of these. You know, what do you think? Is this going to get bigger or not? And they said, you know, love your product, but can you build anything else? Is there some other sporting good product you could, you think you could manufacture with the kind of equipment you have? So we said, well, like what? And they said, well, like, do you think you could make basketball rims? Because we think we could sell a lot of basketball rims. So again, a very serendipitous thing and we said yeah we think we can so and uh, so we got into basketball so that that really when our business started to started to grow that's really exciting especially to see like a new offshoot of your your baby you know your child of this this product kind of take wings and have this whole other basketball line i bet that was that was pretty exciting we kind of pioneered on any kind of a national basis high-end residential basketball our home basketball, driveway basketball system would, would retail it $499, $499. And uh, the competition out there was largely uh, round three-piece poles with a fairly flimsy rim and backboard and it sold for at a Walmart type of a store for 99 bucks. People told us you'll never sell a basketball system for $499. Nobody in their right mind is going to pay $499. And, so, but on a national basis, we, we were kind of the, you know, the first ones who really did that. And then some of our comp- competitors started saying, gosh, not only can they sell a $4.99 basketball system, but they're selling $6.99 and $9.99. And uh, at our highest, our highest price currently at retail, our suggested list price on our most expensive basketball system, I think is $20.29 something. Wow. That's almost an extension of people's homes too yeah. when they you know they they want a basketball hoop out in front that's looks nice oh, and sure. it's going to stay yeah. there when the wind blows yeah all those all those kind huh. of things yeah cuz why would you have a big expensive home and then slap a cheesy <sighs> rusting rusting system out in front of your house so bisoning takes off in the 80s due to America's growing love for basketball much of the sport's popularity was due to players like Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, 
And of course, Michael Jordan, who even owned a bison hoop at his home in Chicago. The 80s brought basketball sneaker deals, the salary cap, the draft lottery, and in general, it brought basketball into what it is today. And all this time, Nick Kusick is building a basketball hoop empire based on good customer service and integrity in the humble city of Lincoln, Nebraska. So my, my grandpa was a, was a high school basketball coach mm-hmm. in Hebron, and basketball was just such a big thing in my family. And I, I felt like a lot of people in Nebraska really loved their home basketball hoop and just basketball sure. culture in general. Yeah. Do you think that was part of it? Oh, sure. You know, um, we, you know, we, we had three or four different advantages, I guess. Uh, um, I think there's the Midwestern work ethic and the Midwestern friendly um, you know, I, I fortunately, I, I don't have many complaints make themselves make their way up to me. They usually get because we're not perfect. You know, we forget putting hardware in or we occasionally do something, something wrong or we don't ship on time or whatever. And, you know, we try to empower all of our staff to be able to deal with those. But occasionally uh, you can't they can't be satisfied. So they ask, I, I want to talk to the owner. I want to talk to the president. And so I, I um, you know, my philosophy is I always uh Asked people, um, said, what can we do to make it right? Because quite honestly, depending on where they're from, it kind of throws them off. If you're from New Jersey or New York, you're like, nobody's ever said that to me. That's, I want to fight with you. I, <laughs> I want to get into a shouting match over, you know. We've been like that a long time, so we instill that, that culture. And I think that's kind of a Midwestern, you know, sort of a, sort of a culture. Uh, Elmer's now deceased, uh, just mm-hmm. he's same age as I. We both graduated from Pius at the same mm-hmm. time. But, you know, I think uh, like a lot of partnerships, one person has one. And I think one of the reasons that our partnership lasted as long as it did, mm-hmm. uh, again, starting in 1974, but um, was that he had kind of the technical skills and the manufacturing and engineering type skills. And I had more of the marketing and and uh, business and administrative type skills. So it uh, doesn't mean we didn't fight from time to time. Didn't mean we always agreed. Yeah, uh, we, I think, more than once grabbed each other by the collar and threw each other to the ground, fighting okay. over business issues. But uh, <laughs> that's okay because we, sur- we survived it. I, we survived for thirty nine and a half years as, as business partners, which is uh, which is a long time for for partners. That's that, that's almost a marriage at that point. You yeah, know, when you know somebody that well and you've yeah. been through that much. As a matter of fact, since you m- mentioned marriage, the. Um, uh, we'd been probably for six or eight or 10 years uh, before we finally did kind of split up our businesses. We'd, you know, been, uh, shall I say, drifting apart. Um, And I often have said it's a little like uh, waking up one morning after being married for 50 years and you're sitting at the uh, kitchen table in the morning reading the newspaper and having coffee and all of a sudden you both simultaneously look at each other and say, "Now, now why are we married? You know, the kids are grown and gone and, 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 and. And so Elmer and I had kind of reached that point. The attorneys and the um, uh, consultants that we'd kind of hired to help us navigate how to how to end our uh, business marriage, if you will, uh, came up with a plan that was uh, referred to as a divisive reorganization. And um, so, of course, we kind of said, now, we don't like that word divisive, you know, we're, we're no longer best friends, but we don't want to have this be divisive. They said, oh no, that's a internal revenue terminology. Divisive meaning you're dividing your property and reorganizing without any current tax consequences. And so we 
not unlike, I guess, a marriage, you know, we went through and split up who gets the dog and who gets the cat and, and uh, who gets the furniture and who gets which car and et cetera. So that's kind of what we did back in, uh, uh, again, back in May of, May of 2014. So. Wow. 39 years. Yeah. It's a long wow. time. Yeah. That's, it's a long time. That's amazing. It's a long time to do almost anything. Yeah. You, you almost made it to 40. You couldn't make it one more year? <laughs> we could have made it to 40. Yeah. Well, that would have been our, uh, I, don't, I don't know what, uh, what anniversary 40 is in a marriage. So I don't know if there's a terminology for business. Elmer passed away after battling cancer in 2019. And Nick says that they were yin and yang to each other. Today, Bison makes products for almost every sport from basketball to volleyball to soccer. And while they continue to sell residential basketball hoops, that only accounts for about 5% of their business. Bison has about a thousand dealers and they're starting to emphasize international sales as basketball's popularity spreads throughout the world. Nick has done really well for himself and a lot of his friends are already retired, but Nick says that he still enjoys going to work every day. I'm JT Martin, and this has been a Grindstone production. Grindstone is one of the premier production and marketing firms here in Lincoln, offering everything you need to grow your business in 2020, from video and podcast production to social media management and media buying. You can learn more by visiting grindstoneagency.com. He asked me if I ever wanted to sell a small product uh, online, and I, I, I said no, but um, maybe I should go back to selling corn to little, old, little, to little old ladies to feed the squirrels in the country. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you never know. With the right marketing, you know, you just might be able to. Yeah.